Hello. 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 Flawless. <laughs> we woke up like that. <laughs> to his eyes and you will see that men are not alone on the diamond sea we are hottest 100s and thousands and we have taken control of your radio station this is the podcast in which we're talking all about songs that have been deemed hard enough to be in the hottest 100 and my name is david james young joining me here once again it's adam bunch of men to his right and to my right andrew mcdonald man and nathan harrison the hits keep coming <laughs> Thank you! Thank you! Good night! Pack it up! <laughs> oh, I'm in tears! Oh. Uh, that was episode 12 of this season. <laughs> oh. Oh. I came up with do you, that. Do you, do, you, do you prep these? I or? came up with that last night. I'm just okay. like, I, I, I was I like practicing. I, I was practicing it in the shower. <laughs> you know what, <laughs> To make off. sure I got the time. You know, I think right? I heard you singing something in the shower. <laughs> I said it, Nathan's for the record. All right. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't just mystery soul. I, I did just come over, just like, hey, I, can I use your shower? Or I have your shower bug. <laughs> you rock up and you're like, can I use your bathroom real quick? <laughs> Cut to Nathan outside the bathroom. Room. Is he okay? Okay. Just uh. You right in there? You right in there? <laughs> yeah, I'll be right out. David, I'm about to head out. <laughs> um, Take your just, time. Just lock up. And... Take your time. Yeah, I'll see myself out. Don't Thanks. worry. I might be here. Might be here for quite some time. <laughs> All right. This is this is way worse than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Well, this is already well the done. best episode. Well done. Welcome ever. to the greatest episode of this yeah. podcast of all time. Yeah, hey, you know it, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if this is your first time, good. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> We're this good all the time. Listen Hell to the rest. Yeah. Everyone that's been with us so far, thank you for being patient. We've finally arrived. <laughs> yeah, here it is. Let's slip into something a little bit more comfortable. At number forty-five, this is Porter's Head with Glory Box. I just so wanna be a woman 
Head at number 45 in the 1995 Hottest 100 with a little number called Glory Box. Andrew McDonald, give me a reason to love you. There's nothing at all that's not perfect about this song. This that is, is the reason. That is the yeah. reason why yeah. I love you. Yeah, Portishead are a terrific band. I'm really glad we're getting to talk about them. Portishead were nearly my vote for what should have been in last year because it was, I guess, mm. eligible then as well as now as a single. And I think single is really good because even in the context of the album this is from, Dummy, a perfect record, oh, so this is the last track on it and it feels like it's just like, like a bonus track almost. This song has always been a single in my mind. It just sounds mm. so perfect on its own. It's sensual but it's like independent. Yeah, it's gorgeous trip-hop. The beat is relaxed and like super sexy and the synth line lures you in from the moment that it starts and then like... Beth Gibbons' voice is the sound of heaven pushed through a human's mouth. It is insanely good. The production, the the poor said, like they all did the production together, I believe. But the fact that, like, it's got like a record crackling sound over everything Mm. makes it seem like it's a lost piece of ephemera. I'm uninhibited with my love for this song. I can't believe how good it is. I'm so happy to hear it. And like, after hearing this, I then went back and listened to the album again. I hadn't listened to it for a few months. There's so much to love about this. The. It lures you in with such like an just uh, such an open amount of like sensuality and love, and then it pushes you back like with the, I just want to be a woman, and like the punch of the guitar when it actually gets in there, and the obviously the punch of the song at the end with the this is the beginning of forever and ever, what a and then drop. the over the top drop, oh, and then the manipula- those drums, yeah. and, the man- and the manipulated vocals. Then it's just yeah. like. Yeah, and then the fact that, like, normally it's one of the things I don't really like in music, but the fade-out is perfect. Of course this song just fades itself in and out. It wasn't always there. Like, yeah. you, 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 you yeah. tune in and then, you, and then you get tuned away. I can listen to this song forever. You all agree with me. No one, no one has yeah, this song. Absolutely. This is one of the greatest songs ever written from one of the greatest albums ever written. Hands yeah. down. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I just want to talk about the opening of it. I'm tired. First line, you got something from that. And you can hear the lethargy that's been introduced with that bass line. And, and the then it's like, and, and then the next reveal is of playing. It's just yeah. like it gradually unfolds and becomes something different mm. and it changes until eventually we've hit the chorus where we're no longer lethargic. We're pissed off. We've got this broiling kind of anger, but we're still in control. It's just like I could sit here and just talk about all the different things that I hear and I feel within this song. Like there is such a tangible persona in this song, I think. What Beth embodies lyrically, vocally, and what the rest of the band embodies musically, you can reach out and touch it. You see the character, you see just you see it playing with you and interacting with you. And it's you. Like I think there's such a play um, especially as a male listener with gaze in this song, like and the and the different way it kind of like explores gender and, and, and like brings gender so clearly as a subject matter in this song, it's, it's ah, weak need. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, there's so much it's to love about it. Hey? It's like, impossibly beautifully written. I, I don't know how they did it. Yes, yeah. it's so like arrestingly fucking sexy, but at the same time, you're just like, why am I so morose and yet so turned on at the same time? It's just, <laughs> it, it runs the fucking gamut. It man. really like, does. It really, really does. Just the loop, like it. It is an endless cycle. Just the baseline mm. over and over and over. And then just the the slide guitar, you know, like like that that really like shaky arpeggio, and slowly going down the scale, 
Like, it's a spiral of a song. You know, you go down and down and down, back up again, down, 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 down. And any other song you'd want, like, some significant sort of change, something to kind of switch things up. In this, it is a universe unto itself, and you never want to leave. It is a dream that you don't want to wake up from. When it fades out, you just want to go with it. Like, it is a perfectly fucking crafted song. There is nothing bad I could possibly say or think about this song. I fell in love with it the second I heard it as a kid. And, you know, like, it's stuck with me ever since. Getting to see this song live, like... I was like twenty twenty one at the time. You're talking you know? about Harvest? Harvest, Harvest, indeed. I was there, man. Yeah, yeah. It was very, that was very that was special. a real a moment. That yeah, like I never special. thought I'd get to see that song played live, and the fact that I did, I'm eternally grateful for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like when it fades out, it feels like the song's going somewhere, and I feel sad that I'm not going there. That like that there's a like a divergence between me and the song at that point, and I'm on the wrong side of the train or whatever. Yeah. Flawless, and I agree with everything everyone said, and there's not a lot more I can add to it. So, but I, I was thinking about when I first came across it, and I don't remember exactly when it was, but I kind of remember the sensation of it. Like a lot of teenage boys uh, in high school, the vast majority of the music I was listening to was male artists because that's kind sure. of a big part of how the music industry works, and female representation in music is pretty horrible a lot of the time, and it's really easy to fall into a cycle, particularly if you like rock or alternative music, and particularly punk, which despite its messages is overwhelmingly white and overwhelmingly male. And obviously there are exceptions to that, but... uh, So most of the music, and not exclusively, but most of the music I was listening to was dudes. Mm, Sure. Which, whatever, I think that's just part of being a high school dude that you got to grow out of at some point. Um, And then I think it was early uni, um, which, you know, looking back now is very late, but whatever. Someone that I thought was pretty cool was bigging this song up, so I went and listened to it and... I just got my ass kicked by the song. Yeah, like, yeah. I just listened to it like six times on repeat with my mouth open the whole time, just completely floored by it. It's just spectacular. And I think a big part mm. of that is because of how amazingly and fantastically feminine the song is, like aggressively and powerfully. And it's like... Well said. Aggressively it, and it powerfully just, feminine. Yeah. yeah, it just like it knocked me out of the park in terms of compared to everything else. Like I had not listened to anything like that before. Yeah. And yeah, I think everyone should get their ass kicked by this song. I think it's really interesting uh, in researching this song that Beth has come forward saying that she's frustrated by how often this song is misinterpreted. Okay. And I'm and I didn't quite get to the bottom of that, but it, I think it's it was in relation. I think judging by the context of the statement or whatever, to the way people perceive gender in it, like maybe even a call mm. that what she's asking for is for men to be. You know, just be a man about it, and just like man up kind of message, um, which I, th- I just think is interesting. I don't have any answers, mm. um, but it's really interesting to hear Beth say that it's a misinterpreted song, and the fact that she really laments that. Yeah. Like it. Also, um, Andrew, just going back to your point, where you were talking about how this is a single, and it just resonates with you so strongly as a single. Yeah. Jeff uh, Barrow. Uh, one of the other hugely uh, important and long-standing contributors to Porter's Head has said he was really hesitant to release this as a single huh. because he he just felt it was way too commercial. He said like it was fine in a body of work, um, but as a standalone track, he was a little bit worried about it. And he has since lamented uh, what he calls becoming a bit of a performing monkey with with, with this, this song. with this track. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. They don't do much performing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. You know, um 
but, but this, yeah, uh, yeah. I, this was the second single from Dummy. The first being the also terrific Sour Times. Yes. Lead single, yeah, which is yeah. I think a bit more representative of the album. Yeah. One last thing I wanted to bring up. Um, I knew like Portishead fairly well, like growing up, but um, there was one very bizarre circumstance in which this song was covered by mm, uh, some some hottest one hundred all stars. Does anyone know? Uh, apart uh, from a bunch powder, of Powderfinger, Powderfinger, oh, no. Powderfinger yeah. covered this song, and impressively, uh, like it wasn't half a, it wasn't half bad, and b. You know how dudes will always just like if they do a song like they'll have to flip the genders or whatever. They didn't. Donald Fanning's just screaming would. about yeah. giving a, needing a reason to be a woman. Just want to be a woman. Good. Yeah, it comes from a tribute album called No Man's Woman, where all male artists cover female artists. Mm. Um, it's like it could come off as weird and jokey, but like it's surprisingly really good. Um, the Vines did Forever by the Veronicas, which right. was yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah, it was actually pretty good too. Uh, Lior did Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. Cool. And a Fashion did Hanging on the Telephone. By the Pixies. Yes, obviously. <laughs> uh, Dan Kelly, Nothing Compares to You. Josh Pike did Wuthering Heights. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Paul Kelly did To Bring You My Love by PJ Harvey, which is awesome. Gyroscope did Cannonball. Previous huh. song we've talked about in the history of the hottest 100. Hmm. And it finishes with Tex Perkins covering I Am Woman, which of course it does. Of course. Great. <laughs> I'm going to hunt that Paul Kelly cover out. It sounds terrific. Yeah. Actually, slightly related. Paul Kelly, uh, when he was on Rockwiz, did um, This Mess We're In with Katie Steele. But they swapped it around and Katie Steele did the Tom York parts and... Um, uh, Paul Kelly did the PJ Harvey bits. Nice. Side cool. note, what a song. So good, right? Yeah. So, so good. I mean, you know, like it obviously pales in comparison to present company as everything does, but great song. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to the page and we'll get to the PK in, in the not too distant future. And fuck, we'll even get to Powderfinger too. Like, yeah, uh, sure we're covering a lot of bases here, but uh, for right now, uh, anti fuck this song. What's the, what's the opposite of fuck this song? Just yes. Just, just all like, my yes. yes. This is, this pa- is too much to love. This, pause this podcast, go and listen to the song, like close your eyes for four minutes and just have a great time. Well, here we are at number 44. This is Pearl Jam with Better Man. Watching the clock, it's four o'clock, it's got to stop Tell you, take no more She practices her speech as he opens the door She rolls over, pretends to sleep as he looks her over She lies and says she's enough She dreams in colors, she dreams in red Can't find a better man Can't find a better man Can't find a better man 
Gentlemen, number 44 with Better Man from the Vitalogy album. Uh, coming in at number 44, as I said, in the 1995 Hottest 100. And I would like to defy the nature of this song because I can find a better man. And the better man is Nathan Harris. Oh, you. Hey. Oh. Uh, I think we've already... T- I, I definitely had a Pearl Jam phase in, in high school. Um, Hands up if you haven't had a Pearl Jam phase. Uh, like, yeah, hands up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard enough. Come on. It's kind of <laughs> oh, fuck you. It's kind of split down the middle, which is fine. Don't you dare make me sit on the fucking floor again, man. <laughs> this is obviously also probably more people know this Pearl Jam song than any other Pearl Jam song. This you reckon? Is, you don't? Yeah, I, I reckon Alive, maybe? Nah, because this is going to get played on like... Smooth FM, like sure. you know, this is yeah. going to get played on all commercial it's stadiums. A larger well, market, uh, well, a live one to get played logic, on. Maybe, maybe their cover of Last Kiss that was inexplicably That's, insanely yeah. popular. Yeah, true, true, and terrible. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, that bridge when we get yeah. to it. Okay, back to, R- yeah, back right. to Better Man. Back to Better Man. This I always think of this song as the song where uh, like Pearl Jam get to like have it all. They get to have their cake and eat it too. Like mm, true. they get to do this nice pop song. Uh, that's really lovely and emotional, but is also like the big anthemic rock song that fits in the stadium by the end of it. You get Eddie getting to do some really like lovely, tender stuff. I think it's like disarmingly emotional early on in the song. Like you really, really feel it. I think he does some really fantastic vocal work, uh, but he also gets to still do the big guitar rock stuff at the end. And so it kind of like, it all works and it's 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 really good. It's kind of tough song to talk about because again, that saturation, it's hard to look past that. We've heard it so much. But even, you know, the, the the last time I listened to it leading up to talking about it today, like it, it got me. Like I managed to sort of get back to that zone where, you know, you just focus on the song and, and connect to the emotional narrative of it. And mm. I think it's all still there. Like it's just a really, really strong song. So it's about uh, his mother and his stepfather um, and the you mm. know problematic relationship between them. At um, least that's how it appears. I mean, it's not like... He's dedicated he's... the song to his stepfather before. Yeah, live. Like, live, yeah, you know, so... like that's... I, I think it's it's fair to say that's at least part of it True. or whatever. Yep. Um, weird shout out to Wikipedia for naming his stepfather. That yeah. seems unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. I'd feel pretty weird about that if I were him. But yeah, so like, you know, and this is... He wrote this when he was very young... Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, like super young, like well before Pearl Jam. Played like, it as um, part of a, a previous band. Oh yeah, which right. were called Bad Radio. Um, um, they're based in San Diego. Sure. All up, I just think it's a pretty great big rock song with mm. some beautiful emotional narrative. Um, I really like the story that because uh, the producer Brendan O'Brien heard it and like he he knew he was like this is this is the hit. This is gonna go. This is gonna go crazy good. Um, he's like Eddie, we got to do this song, and Eddie was like, I don't really want to, whether that was because he wrote it young and he was like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that much of the song, whether it's because of personal reasons. He's like, this is a very close song to me. I'm not really whatever. And then the band at one point was going to give the song away. The band was going to play with a different singer um, and do the song for a Greenpeace compilation. But the producer, Brendan, <laughs> all but pretty much sabotaged that re- recording session. He said that I, he was like, I'm not going to say I did, but I pretty much did. Um, in so that they couldn't have it on the compilation, and then he like very strongly encouraged them to re-record it for the next album sessions. And here it is, mm. um, which is a pretty weird and cool story, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. just that so. kind of thing where producers will just hear the hit and they know. Well, way he's before. like questionable dickishness. Oh yeah, but absolutely. Also, like, he he was <laughs> That's a great right. Band, yeah, he, he was, was right. His, history has proved him the hero. And I don't really want to live in the world where this song came out with a different singer. Yeah, because yeah. that's no. weird. It's no. like um, Veda does. So, you're so right. Veda does an amazing job, and he does many things amazingly. Like 
I I'm not the biggest fan of this song, but oh my god, when he goes like into the she loved him yeah bit. Oh man, yeah, of course. Eddie. Like, uh, you know, across of most of Pearl Jam's uh, oeuvre, like, you know, Eddie Vedder is a good singer. Here, he, like, he is a great singer. Yeah. Not, not necessarily technically, but just, like, the sheer power of how much emotion he imbues into the song is He's very... This is, this is the singer yeah. this song needs. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. Yep. I, I think it's a very good song as well. Like, it's obviously... Like, you, you're spot on by saying, like, they're having a cake and eating it too. Like, because it's so... Like, the acoustic guitar throughout stops it from ever being, like, so grungy it'll alienate a mainstream audience, but it still gets to be, a, like, a good rock and roll song. But it can't escape how well-crafted a piece of pop it is. Mm. Like, I, I love the I love the kind of the fake bit at the start where you think it's going to be this really, like, dirty, heavy, grungy song, and then it just, it just stops and pulls away mm. completely. They kind of build up a yeah, yeah, bass yeah. feedback and stuff. It's great. I think in the tradition of Spoonman, this should be referred to as Spoonman. Betterman <laughs> from henceforth. Mm. David, you like we were talking about this song on Twitter the other day. We were indeed. Mm. Um, should we bring that up? Sure. Um, so brought it up just then. <laughs> no, no, no. Like whoops. The, uh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> There's footage, a pro shot footage of uh, Pearl Jam performing at Madison Square Garden. I believe it was for a DVD. About six years ago. I think it was around the time of Backspacer? So they're playing. Uh, well, it starts off with Eddie just solo playing guitar. And then he obviously picks out the notes to start the song. Everyone fucking starts cheering. Mm. He moves in to start singing. And then the crowd just takes it. And so he realizes what's happening and steps away from the microphone. Still playing guitar, but he has just let the song be completely taken over. They sing the entire first verse and they sing the chorus, the whole thing. He doesn't sing once. Like he he goes to start singing and then that's it. Like he realizes what's happened. And the look on his face is beautiful. Like yeah, it's yeah. just like he It's a very emotional moment. Well, I mean, how amazing would it be not only just to, to have your own song to have that happen to, but also a song that you wrote for personal reasons yeah. and had a personal that's resonance it. with you and obviously you've just found wait, now everyone out there yeah. in this crowd right now has found a personal residence and has demonstrated that. Yeah, lovely. Great story. Really good. This is one of the most universally beloved rock songs in the history of popular recorded music. This is as universal as Happy Birthday. Like, everyone knows this song. Everyone loves this song. Like, it's just affected so many, so many lives, you know? Like, it's just part of people's universe and it always has been and it always will be, you know? We're going to keep singing this song forever. And I'm very, very okay with that. Like, uh, this is a really, really important song. It's a really beautiful song. Um, yeah, I'm a Pearl Jam stan. I always will be. Um, and yeah, this is this song is obviously a big part of it. Like, it was a huge part of my growing up and a huge part of me listening to the radio as a kid. And yeah, it's just something that stuck with me and I'll, I'll carry it with me. Amen. Totally. And number 43, this is Spider Bait with a song called Monty.
date in at number 43 in the 1995 Hottest 100 with a song called Monty. Well, we know we've been chanting like uh, the towns that bands come from. Can we get a Finley? Finley, Finley, There we go. Shout out to Finley one time. <laughs> 40 day in Finley town. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't even know that town existed until I, <laughs> till late today. Finley's so. finest, mate. I'm pretty excited about yeah, Finley yeah, now. Yeah. And it's 2,000 population. <laughs> <laughs> what are some other facts about Finley, Adam? That's it. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Home of spider bait. That's about it. Yeah. That's what it says on the fucking <laughs> on the primary. When, you, when you're like when you're like driving through, that's the sign on the town. Home yeah. of spider bait. Yeah, it is near much. Aubrey. And thus Wodonga. <laughs> <laughs> it is part known. of part of me just has dreams about those guys just being mortal fucking enemies, just <laughs> going to the middle of the border and just beating the shit out of each other. You know, just yeah, that's what um living in West End Rights actually about. Yeah, <laughs> Aubrey Wodonga divide. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. I do have one more fact about Finley, but Bring I will it. save it because it is best employed later in the conversation. Fair enough. Are you sure? No. Oh, he's. I'm getting the silent treatment now. <laughs> This is hectic. Oh, all right. Spider Bait have been a band for 25 years. I have been a fan of theirs for 18 of them. The Spider Bait have been a part of my life for a very, very, very long time. I can remember running around Toys R Us as a kid and one of their songs playing uh, on the like on the radio, which was then being played over the PA. I was a huge, huge fan for so long. And when I was about 13 or 14, they had a huge, huge hit uh, in the form of their cover of Black Betty, which mm-hmm. we've talked about, of course. Bambalam. Yeah, Bambalam, indeed. Bambalam. And uh, so everyone else, all of my friends, finally discovered what a fucking great band Spider-Bait are. And uh, yeah, they've just been a part of my life for a really long time. I got to see them at the Metro earlier this year uh, playing their 25th anniversary show. They did pretty much every song that you would want to hear them play. It was huge. It was super, super fun. I love early Spider-Bait because they were just going for it. They weren't concerned about being a part of any scene. They weren't concerned about being a part of any trend. They just had super fuzzy guitars, long hair, and a fuck-off attitude. And they just went in there and they fucking ripped shit and people started paying attention. This is the first time we've properly talked about Spider-Bait, but obviously we hear spider bait in one way shape or form every single week in case you hadn't picked up uh the interstitial guitar riff which separates every song is the opening riff to buy me a pony by spider bait which came in number one in the 1996 hottest 100 spoiler a fucking alert we will obviously get to talk about that a bit that's later gonna go on. off that's uh, gonna go off when we talk about oh that. my god uh, yeah yeah and it comes in with that with that one bit we're like yeah yeah, yeah. it's us <laughs> yeah da, da, we made da, it da, da, da. no no play the whole thing one time one time one time one time I like to imagine Wit has just been in the in the studio this entire time, just playing that one riff, just waiting for his moment to get to play the whole thing. Yeah, he does it live. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. He comes every in time every it's week. recorded live. It's yeah. amazing. He makes it sound exactly the same. Well, he's Whit, a professional. Wit, you got yeah. anything to say, man? No. No, no. He's just shrugging. You know, he's a pretty quiet dude. I love that this song reflects that early era of Spider Bait. Um, like, you know, just fucking let's write a big fucking Sabbath riff and just fucking bang our heads a bit. They just fucking went for it. And so as a whole, I love Spider Bait. And this is one of the reasons I love Spider Bait. So DJY out. Let's do it. I hadn't heard this song before. Um, ah. Yeah. Mm. I, yeah it's, um, a, it's a bit of a deep cut, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, it's clearly Spider Bait before they knew what Spider Bait were. 
like, I guess, to me at least, because like, it doesn't sound like what I think of Spider Bait songs sounding like. like it's not, not that it's a bad song in any way. It's not, obviously. It's greasy, psych fun, and I really get down with it. Yeah. But also, like, when I saw it there, I'm like, oh, Spider Bait. And then it started playing, and I'm like, did I click the right link? Like, it doesn't sound much like Spider Bait, what I know them as. It just rolls through its, like, two and a half minutes. It's like it stumbles into itself in a really fun way. Like, yeah, yeah. I think it's a good description. Yeah, the whole thing is, like, clearly done by, like, some 90s grunge lovers, mm-hmm. and they just, like, can't help but have more fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's there's hints of the fun band that they are going to become in this, but like, yeah, I, I enjoyed it, but it just didn't sound like Spider Bait to me. What I know Spider Bait to be, at least. Well, to me, what Spider Bait is, despite the fact that they have charted several different sounds kind of throughout their career, and this is from their second album, which is called "The Unfinished Spanish Galleon of Finley Lake." Finley fact. Here is the Finley fact. You've been waiting for it. They actually were trying to make a Spanish galleon in the lake in Finley, and they didn't. Hence, <laughs> shortest podcast season ever. Finley facts with Adam Boncher. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. I'm tapped yeah. out. <laughs> so that's that's done. Um, but for me, like, what it is 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 like kind of a riff based rock band that somehow manages to insert a degree of quirk. This song is not as kind of quirky. Um, or left of centre of what you would expect from just a riff fest song as kind of what they will do a little bit later on. But they still managed to subvert it, I think, with the use of their guitar tone. It's way too digital. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just it's just sure. like abrasively kind of digital sounding. I don't know whether that's maybe too much of like a guitar kind of term, but I think you don't know what no, I mean. Yeah, like, compared yeah, to like an organic absolutely. sounding amp. And, and the vocals match it. Yeah, and, and, that, and the way that they've treated the vocals. And so it comes across... I think, with that Spider-Bait sensibility. Really interesting fact just on Spider-Bait. At this time, they were deliberately marketing themselves playing uh, under-18s games. Yeah, which is really it's cool. Like their whole thing. Fucking A, that is tight. Yeah. Isn't that cool? As someone who used to hate that gigs were never available to me as a 17-year-old, yeah. that's tight. It's really cool, isn't it? And yeah. I think, like, their music as well. Like, I think they understood, like, hey, maybe, you know, under-18s are going to get into this. Sound. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so even, even like, them. thinking about the kind of stuff they'll put out over the next few years. It's like, yeah, that fits that. Yeah. This is this is a great band to have come from that scene uh, being so inclusive and, and everything like that. It's great. Yeah, and I, I have to say, like, for someone who was raised on metal and, and hard rock to a large degree, I have become over the years rather desensitized to the Rift Fest song. Um, and yet I still get into this. Like, I think, like, the energy sells it. The riff itself is really cool. It's and it just sick. sounds, yeah, it sounds really cool. And it's really fun. And it gets me on side because it manages to, to navigate those things really well and be a bit unexpected. I'm going to be a bit of a, a, a Deborah Downer. Um, <sighs> I, I don't really get into it that much. Wow, like, wow, wow, like, wow. Like it's fine. Like yeah, it's it's fine, and I, I totally appreciate the kind of digital sounding of, of the guitar and, and the vocals or whatever. But if I didn't know this was Spider Bait, I wouldn't think twice about it. Sure. Like oh, you think it coasts a lot on the. the oh no, no, just like, it, like no, no. It's just like looking back at now, I, I'm interested in it because like oh, this is what early Spider Bait Spider Bait sounds sure. like. Sure. Oh, it's an academic kind of. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But like, I don't get much from the song, and yeah, I don't know. It's, okay. it's, it's fine. Like, I don't hate it by any means, but I just like. It's just another riffy song. All right. To me. Yeah. Which you, I feel sad about. <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. It's a pretty big riff. <laughs> <laughs> Play us off, Wit. Thanks, Wit. Thanks, man. Appreciate yep. your time. You got enough chips? <laughs> he says he's good. There you go. <laughs> it's another Holy. one there for him. 
All right, he's good. We can have some more later. Right now, right now, right now, at number 42, it's Sonic Youth with the radio edit of The Diamond Sea. Number 42 in the 1995 Hottest 100 with a song called The Diamond Sea, a song that ends their album Washing Machine, and a song that, by every God-given right, should be the longest song in the history of the Hottest 100. Preach. This is exactly what I was referring to, like, several episodes ago when we were talking about Jesus of Suburbia being the longest Uh, song, and I said, there's uh, one coming up. uh. I this remember that, that moment. Nice foreshadowing. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah. What a real, a real mind fuck of a, okay, of a plot. So, yeah. To quickly explain, this song was released as a single from the album, and mm. they did a edit of the song where it goes for five minutes and forty four mm. seconds. The album version and the true version of this song, Hold the on. one that makes this song what it is is 19 minutes and 56 seconds long, and it is worth every GD second of it. So the fact that it did not get into the countdown doesn't surprise me, A, but B, fucking should have. Come on. Come on, guys. I wonder if anyone writing in their postal votes like had in brackets for 20 <laughs> minutes. Yeah, yeah, please. Album cut. Stop playing the radio edit, Triple J. <laughs> this, yep. this actually happened like a few years ago. I was slightly pissed off at this. In the 2008 Hottest 100, the song I Will Possess Your Heart by the band Death Cab for Cutie got in the Hottest 100 and I was hoping it would be the full eight and a half minute version which is on the album Mm -hmm. but it was the pissy little fucking four minute version the radio edit so this isn't that long come on But as a if if Runaway can get in on its album version and Jesus of Suburbia, well, obviously there's no edits to Jesus (laughs) of Suburbia. Fuck, half Um, of the song. It's just the song, yeah. But like, if those those can get in, why the fuck can't the album version of Diamond Sea count or the album version of I Will Possess Your Heart count? 
uh, excuse me, David, I was a big fan of renowned prog rock band, The Mars Volta. Oh. I, I have suffered under radio edits more than huh, any huh. of you, I guarantee. Well, they've only ever had one song in the Hottest 100, and that wasn't edited. That no, was they just played as- more on radio, though, and they definitely... Like, sometimes it was so bad, they just faded out the song. Like, I could tell the yeah. fader was being brought... Huh, That's huh. enough Mars Volta for you, <laughs> which, you know, I can... Stop texting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Anyway. Anyway, uh, I'm going to uh, put my guitar up next to the amp and just let it radiate for a while. So uh, while that's happening, Adam, take the lead. Can I say I'm really, really happy that you like the 20-minute version, Dee? Because I fucking like the 20-minute version. Because I know you're not always down on, like, noise and shoegaze and all that kind of thing. Okay, I'm a normie. You got me. No, 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 no. Oh, my God. (laughs) To each each their own. Where's the pop hook? Where's Carly (laughs) Rae Jepsen? (laughs) Yeah, but, 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 like, it's cool to hear that you dig on the the 20-minute Odyssey, the the Diamond Sea. Yeah, got me. Yeah, that that it kind of is. Look, Sonic Youth have become and are becoming a band that I am increasingly enamoured with. It's a growing relationship, like, kind of even now. And it's one that's kind of like, as all, I think, the best kind of relationships to bands kind of become, it's out of your hands. Like, sometimes you don't you don't mean to go to them as much as you do or to, to delve into the discography, but you just find yourself all of a sudden there and and loving it and, and filled with a curiosity and a drive to continue just going deeper and deeper into this band. And that's what Sonic Youth... I, I guess is you know certainly over the last kind of couple of years uh, definitely been so I've I've only kind of come across Washing Machine recently but it's a fantastic album it's and a I great think, record and this song really well represents the material on it it is the closing track I had the exact same note yeah and it, it's the whole sparseness the way they explore kind of uh, space with sound inside their songs but at the same time what emerges from that space is this is kind of like very pop sensible, very simple, very catchy melodies, which is to me like one of the most intriguing things about Sonic Youth at the moment is the way that they are a band for me of contradictions and sitting between things. Like even in this song, you hear the passion, but you hear the lethargy. You, they, there's such a feeling of innocence but corrupted mm. innocence that I get from Sonic Youth where they they deal with like very simple rhymes very simple lyrics but the the way they deliver it subverts that completely it's, it's yeah it's so this is interesting when you said um it's representative of the album I think that's true and speaks to this album's kind of aesthetic of like having those simple constructed bits those simple poppy bits that, that they go into the studio knowing how to play and knowing what to do. And then just like, and then we'll just kind of jam a bit. And like, not that they're a jam band, thank God, but like the fact that they they explore kind of just like, all right, we have this bit here. And then I'm going to just hammer on a G chord for a bit and do that for like a minute and then see what comes out of that exploration of sound. And they do it really well on Washing Machine. And this is a great closer and a great representative of the album. Absolutely. And, and, you know, like widely regarded by, uh, by many people. Um, and again, a quote from NME saying that this is just their greatest song. Um, yeah, and right. a lot of people hold that opinion. Like hmm. this was a, this is a big, big Sonic Youth song. And I mean, especially in terms of 90s Sonic Youth as well. They kind of lost a few people after Daydream Nation, but they brought them back with the, the washing machine material and this song in particular. The way it was recorded was very different to how they've been working. They were uh, holed up in Easley Studios in Memphis, where you've also had bands like Pavement and Guided by Voices mm-hmm. recording their albums. Uh, I couldn't need to more at this time as well. It was just leading themselves to 
not really acknowledge the reality of a record buying public and just getting back to kind of doing their own thing. It's really weird to think of Sonic Youth as being a band that ever cared about a record buying public, yeah. I think. Because like I, I've always seen them as a band that did their own thing and yeah, followed like, their own vision came and came out of the no wave movement as well. Yeah, like. precisely that. Um and so he just said it was just a bit of a, a bit of a fuck it thing and they just got together and and, and in his his opinions is just like the the result being a twenty minute song is like yeah he's like if it was up to me every song would be twenty mm-hmm. minutes like that's how I think it should be. Um, I really love a, another quote that I found from Spin at the time saying that um, guitar noise that is this harsh can sometimes be grating but in this song Sonic Youth managed to make it glow it's easy to use noise as an orgasmic peak but Sonic Youth make it plateau restraining the distortion only to intensify its monstrous serenity. Monstrously, nice. yeah. monstrously serene is this song. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah and again, that. and I've, and that description to to me as well kind of encapsulates what I was talking about the the tension they have between contradictions, which they somehow manage to maintain throughout their music. Like it's, it's almost defying the ability to talk about it because I think it's just it's just something to witness and something to kind of be a part of. It's it's that kind of wonderful piece of art to me. I really, in case it weren't obvious, <laughs> love this song. Nice. Yeah. I still haven't done Sonic Youth, so okay. yeah, sorry. I, I figured you would have done it way before me. No, uh, I also didn't realize there was a twenty-minute version of this song. So, oh, yeah, well, well, that's exactly that's what I've been thinking the last few minutes. Um, so I mean, you know, going solely off the radio edit, mm. this is pretty great. Yeah, um, yeah. I feel like it shouldn't work on paper. I've heard way too many songs that are like a couple of quietish verses with some noodling guitar, loud bit of guitar, back to the start. But this does work because the guitar tones are interesting, the lyrics are solid, um, and there's some nice interplay between mm. the textures. Um, yeah, but cool. uh, without without having heard the 20-minute version, I well, feel like, like I, I can't I guess, speak to more than that maybe. I don't know. Well, I guess this is the version that was in the countdown as well. It's true. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's a relatively fine adaptation for a mainstream audience, um, this five-minute cut. Um, yeah, you have, it, to, you have it, to be there. Even though it does err a bit too close to like the straightforwardness, like and Sonic Youth are all about like uh, counterplaying that with bits that are challenging and the yeah. I mean, that, yeah. I think that's the thing with with this radio edit. I don't I don't get a lot of what makes Sonic Youth special. Yeah, exactly. I get what yeah. ma- what makes them good, but not special. Okay, I think that's where I finish. You know what it is to me, Andrew. The difference between the twenty minute and the five minute mm-hmm. version. The length. Reco- no, <laughs> fifteen minutes. <laughs> but the recorded version of you made me realize. By My Bloody Valentine. V, the live version. The live version <laughs> of You Made Me Realise by My Bloody Valentine with the um, the infamous noise jam. Holocaust section. Yeah, known as the Holocaust section where they they jam out that one normally very small bit of noise to be over 20 to 40 minutes at the largest recorded yeah. length. And then at earth-shattering kind of volumes like... Before returning to the end of the song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, th- I feel like the recorded version... I got a, I got a very much a Holocaust section kind of vibe. When With this as well, this. right? Yeah. 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 I'd, when I was listening to this in the car on the way over, when it got to the noisy bit, I was just like, yep, volume up, yeah. let's go. Yeah. DJ, Worth. why you be a Sonic Youth man, I assume? Big time. In 2012, uh, Spin put out a list of uh, the 100 greatest guitarists. It was a very controversial list because, you know, it wasn't the usual lip service to Hendrix oh, right, okay, and mm. all of these. The number one spot was taken in a tie by two guitarists, Thurston Moore and Lee Ronaldo. Lee Ronaldo, for those who don't know, for me. The other me? guitarist in Sonic Youth. Right. Ah. Yeah. Awesome. Sick. He has really 
like, if you, I strongly recommend looking up Lee like guitars. He, he has like custom guitars, and they're yeah. really like not not for sale like that he plays. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. But check them out; they're fucking fantastic. Like they're just uh, really fascinating looking instruments. Like yeah, big time, big yeah. time. If I was going to nominate both of those for the position of greatest guitar players of all time, this is what I would put forward. Because it is mm. a fucking work of art. It is beautiful. It is terrifying. It is at this at once welcoming and encompassing, and at the same time fucking devastating. See, that's the contradiction like, thing. Yeah, from. and it yes. works on so many. The ball is growing. It works on so many <laughs> fucking levels, man. Yeah. Like I really, really dig the vibe of what they're doing here, and just how willing they are to just expand out into the great fucking unknown. It's so creative and it's so, so cool. One of my greatest regrets is never getting to see Sonic Youth live. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy to throw my hand for that one too. Yeah. Um, Everyone that I know that has seen Sonic Youth live has just attested to them being just absolute fucking geniuses. Um, And yeah, like band of their generation you know like iconic as fuck and you know stuff like this adds to it all right well i'm gonna go for a fucking 30 minute feedback solo so i'll catch you guys later actually wit can you yeah <laughs> no he says he, no he can't uh, not punchy enough no yeah. well we'll just play your usual thing then at number 41 this is skunk and Nancy with i can dream Nancy at number 41 in the 1995 Hottest 100. Nathan? I've never heard this band before. Nor really? Or no. of them. No. 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 Whoa, okay. Well, well I, I mean, you've heard everything, so. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got you got me there, Doc Giff. But but apparently they're one of like, the most successful UK chart acts. Yeah. Like, yeah, they were big business back in the day, yeah, man. huge success. I've never heard of them. Neither have I. Never heard of them. Big, you know, big. It can't big be putting their music in front of the right people, if you know what I mean. In the '90s, in particular. Yeah, as absolutely. Well. It's um, kind of they were to rock music in the '90s what Living Color were in the '80s. Kind for sure, of. Yeah. for sure. Yeah, uh, the singer Skin uh, calls them clit rock, yeah, um, which is great. Yeah, it's a great. And, and, yeah, and explained as an amalgam of heavy metal and black feminist rage. Um, and of, of course, which, riffing on the term cock rock. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, of which half of that I'm very interested in, but you know, the heavy metal, I could, you, whatever. Um, <laughs> but this is great. Like, I mean, it's this sort of big power rock kind of thing. And, and I, I'd probably be more interested in it if it was something else genre wise. But she's amazing. Mm, she oh my God. God. I, I, I thought when I, hear, when I was hearing this, I wish I fans in high school because yeah. then I reckon I would be really loving it. Yeah. yeah just because of like, the punk attitude of it all and her voice this is a weird comparison but when when she gets kind of harmony in the with her voice 
it reminds me of like Americana era offspring. Like yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It's that, that, that it's the same tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. That's yeah, but what, I, got, I got down with this song, eh? Yeah, yeah. I just like I like I loved it, but part of me was just like, if this was like uh, you know like a post punk band with the same kind of vocal thing and the same attitude, I'd be I'd be like all over this. You know what? Crazy I, good. But I think it's good that it's not because you know what it is. Like I'm I'm a bit of a you know like '80s era heavy metal tragic. I was mentioning Dio just before, yeah. right? Dio, <laughs> Dio. <laughs> What this song does really well for me is it navigates the guilty pleasure aspect really well because it takes the things that are so pleasurable but it places them in a context that is a little bit less guilty. It's yeah, not yeah, it's yeah. not that trashy like hair metal hyper masculine thing. It's re it's taken those the thing that's fun about that and put it somewhere that you don't mind it being. And because because it's all centered so much around her and her yeah. energy and her voice, which is amazing. I went on a bit of a YouTube troll. Yeah, cool. Okay. This and listened to a bunch of other stuff and like very different stylistic stuff. There's some really nice sort of really stripped back acoustic stuff in there as well. But the, the you know, the very common thread through the whole thing is just her. Uh. And she, like, what a powerful voice and, and performer. Like, man, yeah, awesome. Yeah. This is this is cool. This is a cool discovery. I, like, I, yeah, I literally had no idea about this. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's it's sick and it's, it's cool that it's here. I love the fact that the, uh, like, the Anansi? Anansi, Anansi, Like, that, that's got a really clear origin you were mentioning before, Nathan. It's, it's an um, African spider yeah. god thing. Uh, yeah, from you, Ghana. Yeah, from Ghana. Uh, yeah. A lot of people might be familiar with it from Anansi Boys, which is a Neil Gaiman novel, um, which ties into the American gods universe. universe. Yeah, right, cool. Um, well, yeah. The, the skunk part of the name is just added to, and in quotes, make the name nastier. Huh, great. Because a spider god from Ghana is not nasty enough. You yeah. need, need to be a skunk one. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. I, yeah. This was a, like fun. Like so much of it, like you're right. So much of it is just her and her presence, which is fine, obviously. Because like musically, this song got, got, it got the job done, but it's just like, she's just so fucking engaging in this song. You're like, God damn, I want to hear more of you. Yeah. Yeah. Fair amount, fair amount to enjoy. Like I said, if I wish I'd found it in high school, because I don't have a lot of love for it now, but like I'm yeah. just kind of moved on from... Punk, this kind of punk music. But yeah, 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 I think it was a yeah top song. Yeah, good on you, Skunk and Nancy. I wish I'd found you earlier. It's where I sit with it as well as kind of like, while it is giving me that guilty pleasure aspect of it, it, it probably doesn't do enough to transcend it above, you know, the, the trappings of what it's playing with still. Like, even though it's better uh, and it's not straight out cock rock, Fair. It's, <laughs> it's, it's still like, it's still probably not enough for it to, to be something incredible to me. I think it's fun. Like, I think yeah, it's really, yeah. really, I think it's fucking righteous. The, the hook is awesome. Mm. Like, um, yeah, like they've, they spent most of their career just doing things. However, the fuck they wanted to do quite similar to spider bait, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. they've never fucking tried to settle for anyone or appease a label or anything like that. They've kind of just always done shit on their own terms. It's equally pop as it is full on rock, you know, like that, chorus is fucking all encompassing you know it's just one of those massive ones that you fucking remember um then you know the like the kind of metal-esque like bell of the ride symbol just going through the whole thing like i love that sort of like big ridiculous rock beats you know like i love Mm. that sort of stuff um yeah it's got a fucking great energy to it and skin is a hell of a fucking singer um who is now very interestingly putting her talents to use in a very very strange way oh last year she became one of the judges 
are on the Spanish version of the X Factor. Hey, why not? I just I feel I feel bad for everyone. <laughs> everyone? Yeah, everyone. It was like when what? we found out that Tom Jones what? is now one of the chairs on The Voice. Of course he is. <laughs> like I feel bad for everyone because of, because of they have to do this. Yeah, we have they got to make ends meet somewhere exactly. or another. Everyone, yeah. Everyone. Okay. I mean, we can dream. We can dream of a world where they uh, don't have to do that sort of stuff to make ends meet. But uh, yeah. Oh, and uh, she married a chick. So fucking good on her. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest One Hundreds and Thousands. Thank you so fucking much for mm. fucking listening, man. Uh, before we get out of here, we are going to pick our favourites and our least favourites, and we're going to start with Adam. No, please start with Andrew, because I want to say whichever one he doesn't say Ooh. between... Uh, my, my, yeah. fa- my favourite was Glory Box. Okay, well, just and in terms of, like, bigging up so someone says it's the favourite, I'll say Sonic Youth Diamond C. <laughs> nice. I just want, yeah. My least favourite, I'm going to have to... Oh. Yeah. I'm going to have to give it to Skunk and, uh, and Ancy. Yeah, yeah. Me too. Even, 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 it's even, a even default not, thing, hey. Yeah, I, I still had love for it. Yeah. Uh, Glory Box, I'm giving least favourite to Spider-Bait. But okay, a, a, again, fifth best. So yeah, Better Man's my favorite. Uh, yeah, probably probably Skunk for for least favorite. But then it's it's everyone's a winner, baby. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks to FBI for having us. Uh, like yeah, again, best episode ever. On behalf of Mr. Adam Puncher. Cheers, thank you. On behalf of Mr. Andrew McDonald. It's been a delight. And on behalf of Mr. Nathan Harrison. Bye. Bye. My name is David James Young. Keep music better man. Thanks, Whit.